Thank you, Chair. Um, the meeting is now live. Thank you. Commission meeting. The meeting is now called to order. Will the clerk please call the roll to establish a quorum? Yes, thank you, Chair. Commissioner Burns? Here. Thank you. Commissioner Montemayor? Here. Thank you. Commissioner Nair? Here. Thank you. Vice Chair Root? Present. Thank you. And Chair Mixlafkin? Present. Thank you. We have a quorum. On an agenda item, please turn in a speaker slip when the item begins. For members of the public who wish to join virtually, please refer to the agenda for the Zoom link. Once you've joined the meeting and wish to speak, use the raise your hand function to provide public comment when the chair confirms the public comment speaking period for your desired item. If you are online, click on raise hand on the bottom of your screen. In the mobile app, you can raise your hand by tapping raise hand in the more tab. And if you're on the telephone, to raise your hand, dial star nine. And to unmute or mute yourself, dial star six. Speakers will be called on by the last four digits of their phone number. You'll have two minutes to speak once you are called on. And after the first speaker, we'll, we, we will no longer accept speaker slips. And the raise hand feature in Zoom will be disabled. We'll now proceed with today's agenda, starting with the land acknowledgement from Commissioner Montemayor. Please rise for the opening acknowledgments in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the original people of this land, the Nisanon, the Southern Maidu, Valley and Plains Miwok, Paiwan Winton peoples, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe, may we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather together today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contributions, and lives. Thank you. Thank you. And please remain standing for the Pledge of Allegiance from Commissioner Mayock. Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Our first business today is approval of the consent calendar. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on the consent calendar? Thank you, Chair. I do not have any hands raised in Zoom, and I do not have any speaker slips in chambers. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this, on this item? Is there a motion? Is there a second? Great. Commissioner Montemayor uh, moves to approve the minutes, and Commissioner Nayar seconds. Uh, clerk, will you call a vote? Yes, thank you, Chair. Commissioner Burns? Aye. Thank you. Commissioner Montemayor? Yes. Thank you. Commissioner Nayar? Yes. Thank you. Vice Chair Root? Yes. Thank you. And Chair McSlavkin? Yes. Thank you. Motion passes. 
We'll now proceed to the public hearing section of the agenda, beginning with item two, the grace, rezone, and mixed use. Uh, before we begin, are there any commissioners with any disclosures or recusals? Vice Chair Root. Uh, I'm recusing myself as I have worked with the applicant uh, on, the, uh, on a project in the recent past. Um, all right, and that leaves four of us. Um, is there a staff presentation? Uh, good evening, Chair and Commissioners. Um, I am Sarah Peterson, Associate Planner and Project Planner for the subject application, P21-032 for the Grace Free Zone and Mixed Use Project. The proposed project requires three approvals. Um, a, a determination that the project is statutorily exempt from CEQA. B, a rezone of 620 15th Street from the multi-unit residential zone to a general commercial zone within the Central City Special Planning District. Um, please note that no action is required by the Preservation Commission for the rezone. This item will be acted upon by Planning and Design Commission, but is listed here for completeness. And C, the site plan and design review for the construction of the three-story mixed-use building with 40 uh, multi-unit dwellings in a ground floor commercial space. Um, they, are all asked, they are also requesting deviations to exceed the height standards in the Special Planning District um, as well as the Historic District. The project site is composed of two lots located on the west side of 15th Street between G Street and Fat Alley, as, seen on, um, as shown on the screen. The two lots total 0.22 acres and have two zoning designations. The northern lot is zoned R3A-SPD, which is a residential zone, and the southern lot is zoned C2-SPD, um, which is a commercial zone that also allows for residential uses. The proposed project re rezoning um, the northern residential zone lot to um, C2. Uh, the lots are also located in the Central City Special Planning District in Old Washington School Historic District. On the screen, you'll see the extents of the Old Washington School um, Historic District boundaries and then also the um, project site in the lower um, portion of the screen. To approve a project located in a historic district, the decision maker must find that the project is consistent with the uh, Secretary of Interior standards, uh, the goals and policies of Chapter 17.808 of the City Code, and uh, the California Environmental Quality Act as it relates to adverse, um, adverse changes to a historical resource. Staff has applied the Secretary of Interior's rehabilitation treatment approach uh, to its evaluation of the project because the subject site is currently vacant um, and would not alter an existing building. Um, I would like to note um, it was vacant until um, about a year ago and there is a temporary use on site that is not active. Uh, the rehabilitation treatment approach acknowledges the need to add to a historic district to meet a resource's continuing or changing uses while retaining the district, um, district's historic character. The historic district plan contains design principles that relate to new infill construction in goal three of the plan regarding compatibility with the contributing um, buildings on the same block in the preservation of historic pattern and articulation of the development. Um, on the screen, you'll see um, an analysis of um, contributing uh, resources um, next to the proposed development. 
The proposed uh, 25,925 square foot building is a mixed use building that includes 40 dwelling units and 1,786 square feet of commercial space on the ground floor. Historically, the subject property was three separate lots with eight residential units. Returning the parcels to a residential use is consistent uh, with the district's development as a middle and working class residential neighborhood. The proposed project will not adversely affect the street grid because the existing streets and alleyway will be maintained. Um, on the screen, you'll see Fat Alley um, towards the north, um, top of the screen, 15th Street on the right side of the screen, and then G Street on the bottom. Um, those will all be maintained as well as the public right-of-way. The new building is sited similar to the locations of the historic buildings within the proposed building setback from G Street in line with the adjacent structure to the west, and the building um, will extend to Fat Alley with a minimal setback. The building is a contemporary architectural style with ground, a ground floor patio on G Street and a rooftop deck overlooking G Street and 15th Street. The building is access, accessed by three entrances on 15th Street and utility uses along the alley. The G Street elevation as seen on the screen is narrow and is compatible with the existing lot widths on G Street at approximately 40 feet wide. The exhibit on the screen shows the entirety of the south facing facade with the roof of the building to the west um, outlined in red. Um, so there is a um, building that sits in front of the rear portion of the proposed building. The massing adjacent to G Street has a protruding vertical element in white plaster with a recessed wall of gray horizontal metal siding. The metal siding provides a material that is consistent but not the same as the narrow wood siding on the residential structure to the west. The materials on infill development should be compatible in scale and appearance but not replicate uh, historic materials on contributing resources. The 15th Street elevation is a long building facade that has a rhythmic pattern of massing fenestrations and architectural details. The massing is broken up with reduced height elements on the north and south corners of the building. Um, and that is on the right um, and left sides of your screen. Varying materials on vertical architectural elements, plane changes to create shadow and strong, a strong um, brick building base on the front, uh, first story. The widths between the plane changes and architectural elements uh, was inspired by the 40-foot lot widths that are consistent with the historic district. The balconies and flush-mounted safety railing in front of the sliding glass doors emulate a consistent full-width balcony um, and strong horizontal datum lines on the contributing resources in the district and provide additional texture and materiality on the more uh, contemporary style building. The materials include brick, plaster siding, horizontal metal uh, panel siding, metal railing, metal window systems, metal canopy, and a honed um, block wall at the interior uh, property boundary on the west side. This is a view of the building from Fat Alley with the building located at 1421 G Street shown on the right. Um, so that building on the right does front on G Street. It's a through lot from G Street to the alley. The applicant is requesting two deviations for building height. The Central City SPD identifies height limitations based on proximity to specific uh, residential zones. The height limit of any building or portion of a building within 39 feet of a specified residential district of 45, um, is 45 feet in height. So um, anything from the zoning boundary um, towards the interior of the site for a distance of 39 feet, the height limit is 45 feet in height. 
Uh, the rear portion of the building adjacent to the western property line encroaches into the transitional height limit at a height of 48 feet where 45 feet is required. The northern portion of the building adjacent to Fat Alley encroaches into the transitional height at a um, transitional height uh, limitation at a height of 48 feet where 45 feet is required. The second requested deviation is established by the historic district plan and limits of the height and limits the height of infill buildings to 150% of adjacent contributing resources. There are two contributing resources to the west of the subject site. The residential building at 1425 G Street is uh, 26 and a half feet, um, and the residential building at 1421 G Street is 31 and a half feet. The two buildings would provide a range of 39.75 to 47.25 feet. The, the applicant requests a height of 48 feet, which is um, approximately 8 feet, um, 8.25 feet above 1425 G and approximately um, 0 0.75 feet above 1421 G Street. Staff supports a deviation from the transitional height standards um, as the dwellings will provide a larger interior living space for a dense residential development that is compatible with the policies of the general plan. Staff supports the deviation from the historic district plan standard because it meets the purpose and intent of the new infill development not being substantially out of scale with buildings in the surrounding neighborhood context. Um, on the screen, you'll see the two contributing resources to the west of the building. Uh, building height is measured to the plate heights of um, buildings with gabled roofs and then um, to the height of the um, roof deck. Um, on the screen, you'll see that the um, proposed building has a parapet wall at the top. So it will appear um, a little taller. Upon evaluation of the project, staff has determined that the project is consistent with the Secretary of Interior standards as detailed in attachment 10 of the preservation staff report. And the project will not result in a substantial adverse change in the significance of the historic resource because the lot is vacant and the proposed project is compatible with the historic resources within the historic district. It does not detract from the integrity of the district. Staff recommends that the Preservation Commission forward um, to the Planning and Design Commission a recommendation of approval. Um, I'm available for any questions you may have and the applicant is also here tonight. Thank you. Uh, good evening, Commissioners. My name is John Vignocchi. I'm the managing partner and founder of Urban Capital. Uh, thank you for your time considering our project and reviewing the project documents. Uh, I'd like to start by acknowledging and thanking staff for all their hard work thus far. Uh, this has been a challenging site, uh, requiring a few major iterations on the design. Uh, and I want to specifically thank Ms. Peterson, Mr. DeCourcy, and Mr. Monaghan for their feedback through the process. If it wasn't for working through those challenges and headaches on this site with staff, we wouldn't have uh, had a forcing function to go back to the drawing board, and we would not have ended up with a housing product that we're very proud of today. We're replicating this product. It's an attainable housing product across three sites, 200 units, and it all really stems and flows from uh, what we did with the GRACE. The GRACE itself is a 40-unit mixed-use building featuring this attainable housing product. In the layperson's term, that means it's designed for Sacramento's workforce. In technical terms, that means people earning between 80 to 120% of the area median income. We're indeed restricting eight of those units, eight of the 40 residential units, to low-income households. 
Um, and so this type of housing is sorely needed with lower rents that are affordable to everyday Sacramentans. Our project team has carefully designed the grace to respect the charming historic characteristics of the old Washington School Historic District. Uh, as Ms. Peterson noted, we meet the historic district guidelines with one minor deviation, and we've worked diligently to address the concerns of neighbors and staff, and we're excited to advance the grace as one of the many projects our city needs in order to solve our housing crisis. Thank you. Oh, any questions? Uh, I guess. Great, thank you. Okay. Let's see if we have any public comments first on the issue, and then we'll get into questions from the commissioners. Thank you, Chair. I do have one speaker in chambers. Um, we can start off with Mark Reiser. Hello. Uh, I have just learned of your two-minute limitation, and I have to say that it is impossible for me to present the information I wanted to convey to you in two minutes, in part because my six-page email addressed to the staff a year ago about this project, which discussed it in detail, is not included in your packet. If you had that, it would be easier for me to refer to that. Uh, I'm going to ask, and I'm sure you will deny me, uh, being able to complete my remarks. In the, given that you, if you do deny that, I'd just ask you how you would like to, me to use my two minutes. Um, let's make it four minutes and let's get into it. I will do my, I will do my best. Since at least October 2020, and I'm going to read this, which will help speed it up. Since at least to October 2021, I've sought to meaningfully engage city staff over this project. My lack of success at that necessitates my appearance before you with a statement which even in its abbreviated form may exceed your preferred time limit. I obviously now know it does. Can I comment that I don't believe there's anything on your public agenda that specifies the two minutes? If, it, if there is, it isn't clear enough. You can, enough. but I'd suggest you use the time to talk about the project. Thank you. From 1980 until last year, I owned the individually listed landmark, which is immediately adjacent to this project. However, I no longer have any financial interest in it, which will be affected by these hearings. I did not then, and I'm not here today to oppose the project per se. My focus is the failure of the city's process to give credible consideration to the official recognized historic resources, consideration which is implicitly required by the Sacramento's status as a certified local government, and explicitly promised and required by the historic district ordinance. The proof of my accusation is, sadly, the report before you. The most severe implications by far of this project on any resource in the historic district fall upon 1425 to 27G Street, the individually listed landmark. There is little evidence to date that these implications have been given adequate consideration. Nor alternatively, have you been provided the information on the issues which are ignored by this report so that you could provide a valid, deliber valid deliberation. An attentive reading of the staff report reveals that it does not contain a genuine analysis of the implications of this project on individually listed and contributing resources. It merely asserts it has done so. Time available does not allow me to elaborate, but your thoughtful review of it should expose that deficiency. In addition, your recognition of its omissions, circular arguments, and some startling oversights may also suggest to you that the voices of experienced and professional preservation staff are not present in this review. I originally had seven points I wanted to make to you. I will attempt to expedite those and may skip over some of them. 
The report before you selectively cites some historic district design guidelines, which it asserts have been met while simultaneously violating and failing to acknowledge numerous others of equal or greater importance. For example, 3.3, 3.4, 3.5, and 3.6 of the guidelines which apply citywide to all historic districts. In fact, the entire chapter of design principles and design guidelines for new construction, which applies citywide, found on pages 46 to 65 of the historic district plan, are not referenced and appear to be unaddressed. The most egregious of these involve uh, side, side yard setbacks and similar setbacks. Formal communications have called these omissions to staff's attention but received no response and apparently no, no result. The project, to repeat, is immediately adjacent to an individually listed landmark. This is not acknowledged. That building is referred to simply as among the contributing buildings in the historic district. The project has been described as being reduced in height and as a three-story building. This is a bit misleading, as if the two upper floors are two-story units, it would be, to compare apples with apples, it would be more appropriate to think of it as a five-story building compared to the two- and three-story buildings that surround it. No one would take issue with a less than one-foot violation of the 150% allowed height for new construction on corner lots. What does warrant questioning and explanation is the method by which that height is allowed on, on G Street and has been calculated. This results in a higher allowed height um, than... Thank you for your time. Your time is now complete. I'm thank sorry. you for your comments. I'm sorry? Your time I'm... is now complete. Thank you for your comments. Thank you. Thank you. Is there a way... May I ask one question? Is there a way for me to ensure that my communication of April 2022 is included in the packet for future hearings? Um, that's a question I'm not sure offhand. I, we'd be interested in making sure your comments get I'll, through to the commission. I'll leave that question future. with you. Thank okay, you. thank you. Chair, I do have one more speaker in Zoom. I will go ahead and allow James Allison. Uh, hello, am I, uh, there we go. Uh, good evening, members of the Preservation Committee. This is James Allison with the Midtown Association. Uh, thank you for allowing me the time to voice our support for the development of the GRACE. Midtown Association is a property-based improvement district that represents over 1,200 properties in the central city. Our mission is to make Midtown the center of culture, creativity, and vibrancy in Sacramento's urban core. Within that mission is the goal to pursue the development of responsible urban infill projects that can help meet the needs of our evolving district. The need for a robust housing capacity cannot be overstated. In concert with our current shortage of residential units is a need for urban areas to adapt to a changed post-COVID landscape. The future of our central city's economic viability will depend on embracing new mixed-use development and adapting to attract new residents and businesses. This project takes what is now an undeveloped and underutilized space within the heart of our central city and brings in 40 new residential units as well as retail and patio space. Additionally, it advances the city's land use goals of promoting both growth and attracting new residential and employment opportunities by bringing both within blocks of the city's central business district. The request to develop this vacant parcel, which currently serves as little more than a parking lot, is consistent with the intent of these goals and, and a prime example of responsible urban development. 
Sitting within the transitionary area between a bustling business center and residences, the scale of this project brings a sensible balance between increasing density and maintaining the character of the neighborhood. This new development will bring in 40 new residences and much needed vibrancy to a part of the city already poised for it. We ask that the committee joins us in supporting this project by granting your approval today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for your comments, Chair. I do not have any other speakers in Zoom or in Chambers. Thank you. Thank you. Um, with that, we'll get to comments or questions from the commission, uh, but first we'll go to City Attorney uh, Courtney Burdick. Thank you. Mr. Reiser, if you could make sure you talk to staff, we do want to make sure we get those comments in the record. So it is not the letter that, that is attached. Do you have an additional letter? Perfect. We, we want to make sure we get it. So Carlo and Sierra, you'll connect with him so we can make sure we include it first. Thank you. Um, okay, great. Any uh, back to the commissioners for comments or questions? Yes. Yeah, Commissioner Burns. Thank you. Um, the first question was I uh, didn't catch um, your, your, her name, your name. And I apologize. Uh, Sierra Peterson. Sierra Peterson. Um, I, the question I have is about the um, roof height versus the parapet height and the, the, the total um, height that you um, compared to the existing structures um, that was roughly 8.25 feet above. Were we looking at a parapet height at that point or a roof height of the new building? Um, the definition of roof height in the um, city code is uh, um, for a um, hipped or gable roof, it's to the plate height of the building. And then on a flat roof, it is to the roof, um, the roof surface, not the parapet walls. So the parapet walls do extend beyond the roof height. Right. So the parapets may be another four, six feet or more above the roof plate. Correct. Okay. It's a possible based on the, what's proposed. Thank you. Um, uh, and I guess my next question perhaps is to um, Director um, DeCourcy, and that is um, um, uh, about Mark Reiser's uh, letter. Um, I would, is it appropriate for the commissioners to receive that and have a chance to review that? I, um, in terms of the process, the, uh, the communication from Mark Reiser that we received all should have been included in the staff report. Um, and so if something was not included, it was a potential oversight. But um, yeah, the intent was to include everything in your packet. So um, I'm not, I don't have the information in front of me about what particular correspondence uh, that was. Um, it's possible that it was received. We communicated with Mr. Reiser early in the process, so it's possible that it was received prior to the project being routed, pr prior to the um, public comment period on the project. I just I can't be sure which communication it was. Thank you. Those are my questions. Question? Uh, is the 1427 G Street 
individually listed? I can answer that. Yes, the 1427, um, 1425 G Street is uh, the immediately adjacent building. Yes, that was listed as uh, by this commission recommended to city council and listed by city council in, I want to say 2018. Um, but uh, it, so yes, that was listed. Um, the significance that elevated it uh, was the association with the individual who lived there. He was a, um, he worked for the um, Union Pacific or Southern Pacific Railroad and designed um, a brake technology that was very unique for railroads at the time and expanded and was used throughout the country. So it was largely um, <clears throat> elevated based on that criteria. Project then wouldn't um, affect, impact that integrity with the association of this individual. Um, I believe that the, um, that the, now I can't be sure, I don't have the nomination in front of me, the ordinance in front of me that listed the resource, um, but I believe it was also nominated under or listed under um, its design criteria as a transitional design between Craftsman and Colonial Revival, um, sort of a unique blend of styles. So it was, uh, it was also listed for its design. To my recollection, again, I don't have the ordinance in front of me, but um, as best I can recall, it was under a design uh, criteria as well. Was it setting part of its individual significance? Uh, I don't believe so, um, but it is a contributor to the historic district, so it is both a landmark and a contributor. So the uh, setting would be associated with its listing as a contributor rather than necessarily as a landmark property. Typically, um, <clears throat> our urban landmarks are not, they stand on their own and they are not necessarily associated with their setting. That's sort of why they're elevated to landmarks as opposed to being part of a historic district. So in this case, it, it is both. Is then if it's associated with an individual and for its architecture, and it seems like this project that's being built directly next to it would not impact the reasons for which it's eligible. Just, just stating that. Thank you. Thanks, staff, for the great presentation. Um, to follow up on Director um, Corsi's comment about that historical um, property, what's the land use currently? Is it currently being used commercial or residential? Um, the are, are you referring to the project site, the vacant parcel, or the um, the, the, the historic um, property we just building? The historic building is a residential building. It's a multi-unit. I believe it's a triplex. Okay. So yeah, adding I think overall, I just have comments. That was my only question. But I think adding in this as an infill project with mixed use is great to add to the commercial. Um, adding commercial business to that section, especially since on a corner lot. Um, and the fact that it's just adding more um, deed-restricted units to the area is beneficial for um, the area overall. So uh, I would be supportive of this project.
<clears throat> yes, uh, yeah, we're happy to look into that. We have to go through a signage permit. The signage will primarily be around the grace uh, and the name um, and uh, the potential uh, restaurant retail space on the ground floor, but I um, can certainly note it. And okay. yeah. I mean, we always pull for inspiration from uh, the historic use of the site or the neighborhood. Uh, I like the concept of the grace because I just think it's a good human characteristic, so that's why we chose that right. name. But, uh, um, yeah, we can look into it. Okay. Thank you. Well, thank you. Um, and one question, I think, for you, Sierra, you mentioned that there was a temporary use that's not active on the site now. I think that's a food vendor we had heard. And what is the plan? Not active as in done, or is something going to have to happen to their situation if this moves forward? Um, the applicant for the grace is also the applicant for the temporary use. Um, so it was just a temporary activation of the site while this was going through the process. Um, so once this... Um, once there's an action on this application, that'll determine what happens um, with the temporary use. Um, it was for one year. The temporary use was for one year, and so um, that expires in the summer, and there's provisions in there if they want to extend it. Um, but, yeah, the plan was a temporary activation of the site while this was going through. Um, if there are no other comments or questions, or the, is there a motion from the commission? And just to remind us, we have, there's two resolutions, A and C, that we are recommending to council. So the motion would be to recommend those two items to council. Sorry, um, right? you, um, maybe if there was a motion, it would be to move staff recommendation. It will, your recommendation tonight is technically first to the planning commission. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, sorry, go ahead, Commissioner Burns. I didn't, I didn't understand um, that, so if, if it could be repeated, thank you. She was, I misspoke in saying that we were recommending to council, which we are not. We are recommending to the Planning Commission. Okay. <clears throat> I'll make a motion to recommend it to move on to Planning Commission. Great, we have a motion from Commissioner Nayar and a second from... Commissioner Montemayor to advance this to the Planning Commission. Um, clerk, can you call the roll? Yes, thank you. Commissioner Burns? No. No. Thank you. Commissioner Montemayor? Yes. Commissioner Nayar? Yes. Thank you. Um, Vice Chair Root has... Um, is not counted on this vote, yes. So we have Chair McSlafkin. Yes. Motion passes. Sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry to interrupt. The motion does not pass under your rules of procedure and, um, and by city code, you need four votes to pass a motion. Um, so the applicant is entitled to an up or down vote. So it's kind of like jury duty, being in a room, you just keep going. <laughs> so now you go back and forth and try to persuade one another. Um, and to be clear, the motion, I, I, th I believe I understood it, is to move staff's recommendation. It's um, meaning to approve those two items. Not, it's not just, you're not being asked to just move it along to Planning Commission, but with the recommendation that the Planning Commission approves those two items. 
Um, okay, great. So here we are. My, my concern is that we were not um, provided with um, the information from um, the speaker, um, Mark Reiser, in the audience uh, in attendance today, and, um, and also that he was not, in my opinion, provided enough time to, to speak and um, finish his arguments. Uh, on top of that, <clears throat> I do think that there is a concern when you place newer, taller buildings next to and dwarfing um, existing um, historic structures. Uh, and that needs to be handled very um, delicately. And um, looking at the roof plane and not the parapet height, even though that is the way the city uh, ordinance is written, I think that is a, uh, um, a, a big sticky point as well. Because we're not talking about eight feet above um, what is allowed. Um, we may be talking 12 or, or even higher. Um. Okay. Um, to the first point, um, I know we here on the commission weren't all involved in the letters and whatnot. And we could extend the time to hear more from Mr. Reiser this evening. In, as a way to address that first point. Um, to the others, I'm not quite sure what to say. I'd, I'm curious if other, other commissioners have responses to those concerns. I'll follow up on Commissioner Burns' comments. Coming from, a, like, if we were to look at this through the lens of a current planner and looking at its massing, yes, I do agree that the way that it's been depicted on the elevations, it is pretty tall, significantly taller compared to the existing structures and the surrounding sites. However, it is stepped back, which is why I was supportive of the project, because looking at it from G Street, um, it's not completely up against the street, so the massing wouldn't be as intrusive as it is currently designed. Yes, it would be a pretty big mass on 15th Street, um, but looking at it from the side of the historical, uh, where the adjacent to the historical property, I think that the size of the way that it's been designed has been thoughtfully designed being pushed back um, from the street view. I could be wrong in, in my interpretation of how it's being designed right now, but if staff wants to clarify, um, please step in <laughs> if I'm incorrect. But that's why I was supportive of the project because um, the way that it's been designed. But yes, I do agree that the massing, if you were to look at it just on the elevation point of view, it is um, very high compared to the existing structures. Um, but again, how I mentioned that because it was stepped back, that's the reason why I think it's uh, consistent with the um, HPD district. It was concerning to see, though, that we are making um, stop, we are cons we are going above the height restrictions in the historic district. So maybe staff wants to speak on what their justifications were on why they were supportive of it going exceeding the maximum height. Just to hear a little bit more context on that. I can speak to that. Um, so regarding the height, the um, this project started out a lot different. It was significantly higher and the height was a, a big concern of ours especially in its current design so we worked through several iterations with the applicant to reduce the height the final design still resulted in a deviation from the historic district plan height standard and i'm speaking specifically to the historic district plan height standard rather than the zoning um, height standard and they're close but um the so and one of the ways that we mitigate for that that uh deviation 
and to make sure because our findings have to we have to the design the final design has to meet the purpose and intent of the standard in order to approve a deviation and the purpose and intent of the limitation in historic districts is to make sure that new construction doesn't overwhelm existing buildings and existing context and so through design techniques materials changes in plane um, reduction in height significant reduction in height as i mentioned we got to a point on the design where we felt that the purpose of the end intent of the dv of the standard was being met through those techniques um, you may or may not agree with with the final design and how it um, and how it addresses that deviation um, and as you mentioned the the so we have two things here. There's a code requirement for how we assess height, and then there's a historic district plan height standard for how it assesses the height of buildings. So the, the historic district plan has a diagram, and it measures to the parapet, I'm, I'm sorry, to the, to the plate height of a gabled roof building. It does not have a diagram for a flat roof building, but the code addresses the flat roof building, and that measures to the roof. And as you mentioned, the parapet, um, often does rise uh, higher than that on a flat roof building. And you also have, um, you probably have rooftop equipment and things up there as well that are hidden by that parapet. So it's a trade-off. Um, you have a slightly taller building, but you're hiding a lot of rooftop equipment and other, other things. So um, the final design we did feel was a design we could support that met the intent of that deviation a little background on the historic district plan and deviations. We are fairly reluctant to approve deviations to the historic district plan height standard, so we don't approve them very often. We've approved one other deviation, and that building was used as an example for these applicants to, um, to look to for inspiration. And some of the techniques they ended up using with materials and change of plane um, and of course lowering the height were techniques used on that building where we approved the deviation so we did feel like there was a precedent um, for what when we will approve a deviation and when we won't the historic district plan standards been enacted since 2019 and these would be the only two deviations we will we've approved one deviation this would be the second that we've approved to that height standard if, if you were to recommend approval. So it's not something we do lightly. We take a lot of, and this project has been around um, for quite a while and gone through many iterations. So it's, it's a, sort of a balancing act um, to try to get to a design that we feel meets the purpose and intent. Um, if I can just add a few thoughts. Um, I think one thing for me, the support of the association, the local association carries a lot of weight. Um, I think the fact that there is no building now is a real detriment in terms of the, the historic district and the quality of life in that area and that slightly taller than ideal building is better than no building for a number of different reasons. Um, I also think not to get too philosophical, and I, I not, I'm not saying that the, I, these height standards are important, but especially in some of these residential neighborhoods in Midtown, where they came from was exclusionary and not something we need to lock in stone forever. And the idea of slightly taller buildings as we bring more people to infill these developments is, I don't think, necessarily a detriment to historic preservation. 
in situations like this. Um, I guess we have a few options. We can vote again. That's going to change anything. We can move this to next month and revisit. Um, we can offer amendments to this as it is before us to move forward with changes. Um, we could invite speakers back. Curious if commissioners have thoughts or preferences. <laughs> Sorry, I'm messing up your, your last name, McSlavskin. Um, I would prefer to be able to um, read the, uh, l the letter that Mark Reiser had sent. Um, that, that would be my preference, to uh, be able to look at that. Would hearing more from him now suffice in the hopes of moving it along tonight, or you'd prefer to read the letter and regroup? Uh, I would prefer to, to read okay. it okay. Um, and, and be able to, um, you know, any kind of um, uh, fact-checking or anything else that I can do that's maybe a slower process than, um, than this group com commission um, setting. Understood. <clears throat> um, Council, do we need to move to move this agenda item into the future or... Do we just decide that? Yes, we'll need a motion to continue the item to, if it's next month, to the next month meeting. Sean, if you could give them the date for noticing purposes, if that's the motion. Before you do that, Sean, if I could just get a point of clarity from the city attorney. Um, by, by the Preservation Commission approving it tonight, or recommending it to go forward to Planning Commission, um, the, um, the public commenter can also comment at Planning Commission once again. So it does, so necessarily like to the chair's point of just moving this along to the next reviewing body because we're technically just reviewing it for its consistency with the historic preservation district. Once we make that recommendation, it can go to planning commission, and then at that time they could vet out um, any additional public comments because uh, it's really the, in the planning commission's purview to move this along to city council. So um, to chair's point is just to move this project along so that the applicant can have the opportunity to continue to vet it at additional public hearings. So I just want to make sure that that protocol is accurate. Correct. This item will go to Planning Commission and then City Council. So there'll be two more public hearings after this one. Thank you. So just point of consideration, Commissioner Burns, um, if you, in case you were still concerned about hearing from the applicant, um, I do side with you that, you know, it would be great to review that letter. But I'd imagine that letter would also be provided at Planning Commission. Um, now that's been addressed as public record. The Preservation Commission meeting next month is on the 21st, and you will be having a meeting. Uh, we have uh, several items on the agenda already. Okay, so I will move. Sure. Just to address uh, Commissioner Burns's uh, concerns, the height of our parapet is, is three feet. It is set back. It's been designed, as Ms. Peterson mentioned, uh, really in, in uh, close consideration with the historic district plan. It's really talking about the facade of the 150%, and we have painstakingly taken time to ensure that the six inches that we're deviating for is actually really critical for the attainable housing strategy that we're, that we're um, pushing. It's, if we could get rid of the six inches, trust me, we would have. Uh, it's we have a minimum height for the lofts that's really critical and it's really 
that six inches is kind of critical to the overall project. I will say I have worked very closely with Mr. Reiser, and I don't know if Mr. Reiser wants to acknowledge that, but above and beyond, I think we spent about $7,500 in additional design fees working with Mr. Reiser to address his concerns that were not required by the historic district plan, so I've never heard of a developer in my existence that would ever do that, but we did. Uh, so even though that he may not have gotten the comment in at the right time for your review, I personally have worked closely with Mr. Reiser uh, up until the point where he sold this property and moved um, to address all of his concerns. So I would just say I think I went above and beyond. I think also uh, it's important to note that um, I think staff, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, for our deviations, we were you know, guided to, to the, the, the rumor, what we've been hearing about um, significant community benefits for the, F, the FAR exemption, uh, was 10% of the units, and we uh, exceeded that for 20% for, for of the units for affordable housing because we were making some additional deviations. We were going for rezones. So it was my intention to exceed the bare minimum because personally, I really want to have more affordable housing. We have a great product here, and there's nothing holding us back from providing more low-income housing. Uh, I will say uh, time is kind of of the essence. This project has been burning for a while, uh, and there are multiple public hearings coming up to address more concerns. Um, thank you again for your time. Thank you. Chair, I'd like to speak. Sure, please. Um, thank you for the uh, additional information. Um, um, I think a, a, a three-foot parapet is not necessarily realistic because a flat roof is not flat and as it slopes your 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 yeah sure thanks uh steven allman with 19.6 williams and Patton. um the the slope of the roof is in the opposite axis so it's sort of running along 15th Street. Mm -hmm. So we are able to we are able to keep that the the uh, rigid insulation to a minimum. Uh, so the ridge is um, you have a, a ridge in the center and you're sloping in the short direction. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So the ridge is um, running um, north south. Yeah, and and we may, I mean, we may have we may have a section that slopes depending on how the eventual construction documents work that slopes towards G Street, but it'll be a minimum, it'll be a minimal uh, amount. We are, we're designing around these limitations, so it's, we're, we're very sensitive to that. Is, to that will, will there be screen walls that are near the parapet to hide mechanical units, and um, is there concern with a, or a need for fall protection that would require a guardrail? No, will be any mechanical units and programming in terms of the roof deck will be 10 feet behind, uh, back of that front parapet. And the mechanical units will be further north on the site. Thank you. Um, um, all right, well, go ahead. Were you gonna say something? Go ahead. <laughs> um, I'll say two things. Number one, uh, Commissioner Burns, I so appreciate you speaking up, especially in this position, and it's tough. And I, if you feel like you want to wait a month, 
then let's wait a month because it's not, you know, it's not worth otherwise. I just add, I think logistically, because of this quorum issue, there's a chance that it won't matter a month from now in that we might have more people here and that we just lose the month for not is a very real possibility. Um, that's with my chair hat on. And then as with my kind of commissioner hat on, I just like, we so need housing. And there isn't a proposal for this site with a shorter, that's shorter in front of us. It's an empty lot or this is what we're looking at. Um, and so I hope we can support it. But then back to the first point that I'll leave it there. Thank, thank you, Chair McSlavskin. Help me out with your name. McSlavkin. McSlavkin. I like to add an extra S. I'll take it. Um, I, um, I understand that this, um, um, that this project is going to go to, um, uh, that this isn't the final review. This is just for the um, historic preservation aspect of it. Um, the only important item on here for us to be reviewing appears to be the height limitation. Um, uh, I'm willing to have another uh, vote. Okay. Um, Thank you for that. And I move that we approve staff recommendations and recommend it to the Planning Commission. A second. Oh, sorry. Did I have a second? Yeah, second. Yeah, okay, great. Uh, sorry, a motion <laughs> from like... Commissioner McSlocken, a second from Commissioner Montemayor. Um, clerk, will you call the vote, please? Yes, thank you, Chair. Commissioner Burns? Yes. Thank you. Commissioner Montemayor? Yes. Thank you. Commissioner Nayar? Yes. Thank you. Vice Chair Root has withdrawn from the vote. And Chair McSlefkin? Yes. Thank you. So motion passes. All right. Thank you, everyone, for your patience with that um, and useful discussion. We'll now move on to item three, Sacramento Shops Historic District Plan and Ordinance Amendment. Um, are there any commissioners with any disclosures or recusals on this issue? And also, can we get Commissioner Root back? There he is. Um, okay, if there are no any additional or disclosures or recusals on this, it uh, looks like we have a staff presentation from Henry Fuse. Yes. Go ahead. Uh, good evening, Commissioners. My name is Henry Fuse, a Preservation Planner with City uh, Community Development Department. I'm pleased to present the Sacramento uh, Shops Historic District Plan and Ordinance Revision. Um, you may recall that this project was brought before the Commission about two months ago for a review and comment. Um, this is an updated version of the Historic District Plan, um, and we're also bringing the Ordinance Amendment to you guys today. Um, this uh, updated historic district plan does reflect some of the comments that were made at the commission um, in the March meeting. Um, required under city code section 17604300, the creation of a historic district plan was also identified as a uh, mitigation measure under the rail yards uh, specific plan subsequent EIR. City code requires historic district plan clearly outline 
Uh, the goals for review of a project located within the historic district, a summary of historic uh, existing and proposed land uses, and findings that outline the significant features and characteristics um, and architectural styles within the historic district. And we also require a statement of standards and criteria to be utilized for assessing any, the appropriateness of any development in a historic district. The proposed historic district plan meets the re, uh, required criteria for adoption um, and provides a list of objective criteria for development review in concordance with state law. Um, there we go. Um, in addition to the historic district plan amendment, um, there are the adoption of historic district plan. The proposed amendments to the boundaries of the historic district and listing ordinance include um, removal of non-contributing land on the western side of the historic district uh, between the boiler shop and I-5. Uh, the current parcel lines encompass all contributing buildings, so we are moving the parcel lines, uh, removing the, the district boundaries to include parcel lines versus just an arbitrary boundary. So this is easier for tracking purposes when we go to uh, do development projects going forward. Um, furthermore, and following best practices, the boundary amendment closer aligns with the proposed National uh, Register Historic District. Um, so in removing that additional uh, land on the western side is, is mainly uh, in concordance with that, uh, the National Register District. Additional updates to the district uh, listing ordinance include changing the name from the Central Shops Historic District to the Sacramento Shops Historic District. Um, to better encompass the entire history of the site and not lay preference on one operator at the site. So this was also, uh, you may remember, that was one of your main comments as in part of the March meeting. So we did take that into account and uh, updated the listing and, and historic district plan to better reflect that. Um, also proposed for the update is the uh, change to the period of significance to 1867 to 1947. Um, through 1947, excuse me, and that date has been selected because it was when Southern Pacific initiated their change over to dieselization. Um, so it's it's a period of, of time that we can uh, create a hard date um, where the historic significance of the site was changed after that. Um, so staff has received no comments in um, any any public comments in support or against the proposed historic district plan or ordinance amendment. Um, that concludes my presentation, and I'm available to answer answer any questions. Um, great, thank you, Henry. Um, before we get to questions, uh, clerk, do we have any public comments? Thank you, chair. I do not have any hands raised in Zoom, and I do not have any speaker slips in chambers. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I know we have Alice Falania here who was involved in the project. Do you want to speak to anything? No. Okay. Um, great. Okay. To the commissioners, any uh, questions or comments? It was really interesting. I really enjoyed reading the historic context and the uh, plan. It was really well laid out. I have what I think might not be the most applicable question, uh, considering we're the Historic Preservation Commission, but uh, the privy, I am very interested if there's been any type of like acknowledgement that there could be an archeological site underneath it, and if potential projects in the future could impact that, if there's any type of foundation work or if seismic retrofitting could potentially dig down deep enough to impact this potential site. That's a great comment. The, um, the historic district plan does, every building itself does have a uh, uh, 
description and, and specific criteria for for uh, treatment for the building. So I can we can ensure that that comment is made. Sean, do you have anything to add? I can see you. We're about to move. Um, I was just going to ask Alice if uh, she recalls did we did we address archaeology specifically um, in the potential character defining features, or or is that not a consideration because of the way the privy may have functioned? I'm not totally sure. I would expect that any archaeological um, considerations for any of the buildings will be considered as those buildings are developed. Um, they, of course, will all go through a building permit process just like you would expect, and uh, all regulations on archaeology would be followed if anything were to be found. And so at this point, it hasn't come up. Uh, they are certainly the paint shop is being looked at right now and so there certainly is kind of those parameters are being set up and are in the mitigation measures those are it's already set up uh, via the EIR that it will all be um, handled appropriately so correct the historic district plan doesn't get into it um, I don't know if that would be appropriate or not that would I we're open to that's what I've been contemplating for a while. Is it appropriate to include here or not? Because, but I guess that's my main question. Is there ever the really the only concern for the privy would be if the building was removed, which is not the intent of this. Um, but I don't know if there's any potential projects working within a foundation that would require any type of digging where maybe it would be worth mentioning within the district plan that there could be archaeology, and if you're digging around here, be really, really careful. Yeah, I think that's a great comment. I mean, I, I don't see any harm in adding a uh, criteria that just advises that this is, because it's not just the privy, it's the entire site is a highly sensitive um, archaeological area. So adding a, a design guideline regarding archaeology seems like pretty straightforward. I think that's something, a minor amendment like that, I think we can we can add um, sort of as an administrative change before we go to city council, should you recommend to go to city council. Or you can, uh, you can amend, uh, you can add that as a condition uh, that it be added in your motion. Other comments or questions from the commission? Is there a motion from the commission? Uh, Vice Chair Root. I'd like to make a motion to uh, approve the uh, findings as presented. I think we are moving to uh, pass staff's recommendation to the planning commission. Correct? I would like to. <laughs> Or to city council this time. That's why I was. Confused. I would like to make a motion to uh, approve the uh, the plan to city council. Okay. Is there a second? Can we add a motion to approve with the addition of archaeological considerations for the site and privy? Okay, we've got a new motion on the floor. Amendment. A friendly amendment, okay, to the same motion. And I'll second that friendly amendment. Um, may, perhaps maybe the motion um, 
could be to add that if needed. I, I don't know, but I would be surprised if something on this was not in the rail yards EIR covering archaeological resources as a mitigation measure, so it might already be covered for any development, but maybe not, just to give staff the leeway to not include it if not needed. Okay, I remake the motion to, <laughs> to what we just said, if needed. Got it, and I'll re-second that motion. Um, clerk, will you call the roll, please? Yes, thank you, Chair. Commissioner Burns? Yes. Thank you. Commissioner Montemayor? Yes. Thank you. Commissioner Nayar? Yes. Thank you. Vice Chair Root? Yes. Thank you. And Chair McSlavkin? Yes. Thank you. Motion passes. Moving on our agenda next is the discussion calendar with item four, planning regulation and process overview presentation from Zoning Administrator Kevin Collin. Kevin, welcome. Waiting for the presentation to get queued up. Thank you. Well, good evening, Preservation Commission. It's a pleasure to meet you in person. I am uh, Kevin Collin, the Zoning Administrator. I'll say more about that in a sec. I'm here as at Mr. DeCursey's request to give you a little overview of uh, zoning, which I have titled in the presentation, Implementing Preservation, is one of the ways I think about what zoning does. By way of just a summary of some topics we'll cover at a very high level, I'd like to speak to sort of the regulatory system within which zoning operates or your preservation ideas, policies, goals, they operate and are on the ground. I wanted to uh, give some attention to literally the people that do this work for you. Um, you may, you, you, there's a lot, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Uh, just give you a sense about who they are, what they do, and then spend a little bit of time, very high level, what is Title 17, also known as zoning, in the city code? First, just a little bit about me, that, uh, my official title is a role in the code, Title 17, to decide on certain development activities, frequently conditional use permits, uh, tentative maps. Uh, that occurs at director hearings where uh, Mr. DeCursey joins me sometimes. And at a public hearing on Zoom, we decide uh, projects. Another role of mine is to interpret what does the code mean when we don't understand it by reading it. I also supervise uh, the counter, so planning counter staff. Every application that comes into the city to build something, small, large, building permit, planning entitlement, whatever it is, it goes through the six people to determine which course does it go for its review. Um, there also are specialized enforcement officers for zoning in our city. We have two that I supervise uh, for any issues of noncompliance for any complaints that are filed. Uh, on a frequent basis, my uh, further role is to look at legislation. The uh, city council has ideas about how to advance their ideas and goals. So when those come up at Law and Legislation Committee, at the council itself, uh, they get handed down for assignment. And so we, uh, I and my staff help to write those new regulations. And finally, a little niche that I've carved out is, uh, by assignment is cannabis permitting. So you'll find me at commission meetings, uh, planning commission meetings for those frequently. Um, I've been at this for, uh, I just recounted 24 years. I've I split this. I've been very fortunate to work in the public sector, the private sector, 
And a fun fact about myself, or where did my learning journey about historic preservation start? Very first city planning job at the city of Ventura, so city of San Buenaventura, a mission city. You know, as assistant planner, I uh, encountered this topic, historic preservation, through a peer, a coworker, who, in a very typical fashion, if as I've come to un understand in my career, through tragedy of the demolition of a building, um, sparked a renewed interest in preservation in that community. In this case, it was the Mayfair Theater. It was a streamlined, modern, uh, derelict, vacant, old movie theater built in 1940 um, that is now multifamily housing. But that uh, sparked an interest in the topic of, of planning, what that meant to be reviewing permits and environmental law. So I just thought I'd share that little story with you. All right, so what is this regulatory system that I'm referencing? I have two triangles in the presentation today. This is the first. At the very apex of this system is the state mandate, mandated general plan. There's a new one, by the way, that's out on the streets right now for review, the 2040 City of Sacramento General Plan. I encourage you to read it. It's a, a lot of really interesting subject matter in there. That really is the guiding policy document for everything that happens planning and zoning related. Below that, we have another category, which you can think of as geographically specific, topic specific, uh, climate change, what, whatever that subject matter is, it gets at another layer, more specificity of what a general citywide policy might best be in a particular place or circumstance. And then at the very bottom, we have really in terms of content, volume, numbers of words, the detail is the city codes and ordinances and the actual operations, like how we carry them out. So that's where we're going to focus our attention today. And to start, who does this work? I don't expect you to understand this image. Every color, every little rectangle is a person. In this, in this community development department, there are 352 people or budgeted positions. I've highlighted the planning division. Uh, we have administrative staff who support our daily operations. We have planners. We have a building division, code enforcement, and interestingly, we have animal services. So the folks that come here to help you make the best decisions possible, those 52 planners, not all of them, but I want to just give you an overview of what those folks, you know, who, who they are, the, the kind of work they do. Uh, you have your first agenda item, current planning. Those are the folks that review development applications that are submitted and processed for compliance with historic district plans, city codes. There is the zoning administration section that I supervise that I described earlier. We also have long-range planning staff that develop the general plan, master plan, specific plans. They're working on new forward-looking policy. You have urban design, so uh, this particular meeting and your preservation staff are in that group who also conduct inspections. They review building permit plans that are submitted for compliance with your approvals. We additionally have an environmental staff, so when an, an environmental impact report is prepared, published for a review, they are the ones that vet that document and every other type of CEQA document that's not only for community development, but it's for the city as a whole. So every department, they ensure compliance with that law. Finally, new growth. Not a lot of new growth these days, but it is still occurring in select locations, mostly in the north. So if you're thinking annexation, new development out of the city territory, it's incorporated limits, pre-zoning, there are staff that handle that too. All right, so. What is zoning? 
I was asked to give a very general high-level uh, presentation. I could really get in the weeds, and I love to talk about this, so I, I look forward to your questions. But in my experience, most people don't think about what is zoning specifically. They experience the world through, like, Google, which is why I put this slide up. They see a physical space. They experience a business, a friend, a family member, or a street. There's, some, um, there's something tangible and real. Well, we make this artificial in a, in a legal sense by applying colors to maps. So a lot of zoning is taking words and applying them geographically around. So you've had projects tonight that had zoning designations and all these acronyms. So we look at the colors on a map very frequently to determine what are the rules that apply. For you specifically, we get beyond uses. What is this district? R1, C2. SPD, we get down to activities of land. Is it business? Is it a home um, or other? But you're getting down to physical elements that are in the community. So this, this additional layer, which we flip through a lot of GIS layers, is a historic district plan boundaries. And we would get even more specific there to determine, oh, what type of standards apply? Is this a contributing building or a non-contributing building? I'll pause there. The code, Title 17, um, I'm a year into this position. I have a lot of familiarity with zoning, and I am the subject matter expert. When you come to you for a question, I invite your questions about the, the meaning if you have them. I wanted to just give a quick overview of what is this title of code and focus on a two key uh, sections that are, are germane to your subject matter. There are, there are rules about what is the code, who is allowed to act, how do you do so. We have districts of land like I showed on the zoning map. We have overlays and special districts that are further um, overlays. Standards for how you divide land, how you build roads, how wide should the sidewalk be. There are many detailed architectural design standards that are codified and there are also many design plans that are either urban design for just general design review or historic purposes. Um, there are programs for transportation demand management. We're getting really in the weeds on all of the themes of like how to plan our community. Um, and I think for this, I wanna transition to, to two elements that are really, I think, germane to your subject matter. In Article 6 and 8 of Title 17, are firstly, these are implementing procedures like you just did. You adopted, you made a recommendation for a historic district plan amendment. The code tells staff how to do that, how to propose a new historic district plan. These are instructions that tell us how to take a project through a process in a public venue for a decision. There are additional provisions in here about a maintenance requirement, so let's not let buildings be demolished by neglect. We have a codified provision for that. What if you want to move a historic building? There are instructions for how to do that. Uh, and you have enforcement procedures too. In the, in I think the most exciting sense, how those standards manifest in an application, you did uh, this evening with a new development project where we look at a piece of land. We, in this case, I have a slide that shows a Jefferson School. We look at the zoning standards and it resulted in a new, I think, catalytic development that was a lot of work on the part of staff. It came to a decision and it is now approved project. This is an infrequent form of, of action that our staff do. 
more commonly. I have another example, uh, which is the Newton Booth neighborhood. This is changing the interior layout of a home. In this case, it's a lot that's removed from the street. A homeowner says, I'd like to add, you know, make a change. I have a, a vision for my kitchen. I want to move it to the other side. We have staff that on the regular are vetting these applications to prevent the deterioration, that incremental erosion of a historic fabric. It's not uh, glamorous. It's not getting a lot of press, you know, but it happens on the regular every single day. Um, and we have a process that's codified to do that. So kind of continuing on that theme of the volume of work, uh, how Title 17 is structured for decisions, there is, uh, I think this triangle is representing an intent. There was a, fund, there was a very big code reform that happened in 2014 to change how we process development applications, and more specifically, who reviews because who reviews can change the timeline for that development to be processed. So when this triangle shows staff review, it does visually represent a volume of activity that does occur at staff level. We have clear plans, clear policies, clear regulations, guidelines to achieve what the council has decided is in the best interest. So we do a lot of the lifting at staff level. We also do them at a next level up um, director hearings, where as a zoning administrator, preservation director, um, or design director, we approve projects at a, at a lower level hearing. More infrequently, we come here for a notice public hearing to have a recommendation for there might be a legislative action or a permit where you have a deviation to make a recommendation on. And then finally, the council is the, is the final stop that sees fewer of these uh, at, on a daily basis. Oh, I forgot their scroll through here. Th these are some general rules of thumb. The bottom level, you meet the standards. And then there are other codified rules for, well, when it's appealed, it goes to the next level up. And if there's new policy to make, that's the council's job. There's a lot of information, if you're interested in understanding your community member, what's happening development-wise. And it's really pretty cool that we have a software tool called Agency Counter. If you want to know what's going on in your neighborhood or a whatever geographic area you decide is of interest to you, I'd encourage you to create an account for free and set yourself up for notices. You'll get an alert when something is filed, what you select. This um, shows a map of the whole city where a dot represents an activity, whereas an application, you can focus in on a neighborhood and then get a summary of, well, what is that? It's a zoning record. It's a Z file. And it'll describe what that is, and it'll also give you the contact info so you can track down and get more information. I think it's a pretty neat tool. There are literally hundreds of applications in process at all times, so it helps you focus your attention on them, ones you're interested in. Just some final, I think, um, information. If you're interested in discussing zoning further, we have a department website it's full of information. Um, if you have a planning question, simply email planning at cityofsacramento.org. The counter staff will find the person to answer that for you. You can also call 311 and you'll get to our phones. And I think with that, my contact info is on the side, but I'll pause there and say thank you for your attention. I appreciate it. And I'll take any questions you might have.
good to see. Um, I'll kick it off with two questions I had and then open it up to the other commissioners. Um, one, and you mentioned that you work on legislation and some policy stuff too. There's been a lot of buzz recently about the governor's comments on sequel reform as a big looming to do. Um, is that something where the city or the department or even this commission would be involved in supporting or not supporting proposed changes to CEQA? So uh, that's a good question. There is a law and legislation committee whose purpose is if they select to take a position on pending legislation. So that does occur. And if you're interested in um, voicing your opinions there as a citizen, come on down and let them know. At, la at la I think two weeks ago, I took tally of what are the pending zoning, or planning and zoning legislation that's in the docket now that's passed committee um, into the committee realm is 400 bills. So we, um, my, part of my job is to monitor what's, what's going to make it to September to the governor's desk for either a veto or a signature. Um, for CEQA, I mean, I could go on for a while. I've also worked as a CEQA consultant. There is um, a lot of content there to dive into, um, pros and cons, and it's a very complicated and lengthy uh, history in terms of legislation. So I don't, I don't know that this commission has a role in advocating or not for that. I don't think that's necessarily within your purview to do so, but um, sure, we're, we're at the Capitol. <laughs> Got it. Um, and then my, my one other question is, so I live in Hollywood Park near Freeport Boulevard, which is like a lot of boulevards with one-story commercial strips surrounded by residential. And I know a lot of neighbors, a lot of people would love to see taller residential development on top of those commercial strips. What are the mechanisms for changing that kind of zoning? How would something like that even happen? Yeah, great question. It's happening right now with the general plan. The, the, the draft general plan that is in a draft form right now is, is the basis which you would come to a zoning decision. So in a general plan, you're going to look at areas of use. So should you have a mixed-use neighborhood or, or a single-use neighborhood? And also development intensity or height density. We have metrics that are in the general plan that will set the baseline for a subsequent legislative action to amend the zoning. So I don't know uh, what it specifically says for the area you're referencing, but that would be the policy basis to make a future decision on. So if you have an opinion about what it should be, I'd say that that's the starting point. Start with the policy. Okay. I will, and I'll set those alerts to other comments or questions from the commission. Oh, my screen. Thank you, Sean. Uh, Vice Chair Root. Thank you. Uh, just one quick question. It's more of a maybe a process question. I think probably the majority of people who are um, concerned with historic preservation are likely making code enforcement or calling code enforcement about projects on uh, historic landmarks or contributing just as a process. What is the way that citizens can contact the city and um, note that there may be a, something happening or they perceive something may be happening. What's, what's the process by which that happens? Yeah, sure, great question. Probably the easiest to remember is call 311 or log into the city website for city's 311 service, so Google City of Sacramento 311. You can, you can open your own anonymous complaint in that format too, but you can call, uh, reference an address, 
say I have a concern or a question, there's, there's construction happening, I, doesn't know, I don't know if it has a permit, that will get entered into a database and it will be assigned to an enforcement officer to review our permit records. So we'll look to see, is there in fact an issued permit? If we, um, if we do, it might shortcut an inspection, make it more informed, but eventually an officer will physically go to the premises and, in, and visually inspect to determine whether or not the activity is occurring. If it is occurring without a permit, then that will start a formal enforcement process. Will, a notice will be issued, an order, notice and order will be issued to comply within 30 days, so to start a permit application. Does that answer your question? Yeah, very much, thank you. Okay. Commissioner Montemayor. Yeah, thank you for the presentation. Um, just to kick it off with a comment, I really appreciate you giving this roadshow about zoning code because coming from someone who works directly in planning, it's our holy Bible. <laughs> it's our bread and butter. We live out it every day. So just having this crash course for the public is much appreciated. Um, and I love your pyramid graphics. I think you should definitely share that with the Planning Academy. I didn't see those in the presentations this year. <laughs> I think those would definitely be beneficial for anyone who needs to understand like how planning and just community development works overall. Um, so... As a zoning administrator, how often are you updating the zoning code? I imagine quite often. <laughs> yeah, this is, um, well, this is the part of the job that really gets me excited um, is, is actually keeping the code current. And part of what drew me here is that there is a practice of what is affectionately called the bundle or omnibus amendments. So it's kind of everything that you notice, whether this, uh, that is not working in the code as perfectly as you hoped or it's just a typo, or when we have new state laws that are passed, uh, we have uh, bills that relate to accessory dwelling units, we have uh, new housing laws uh, that relate to commercial corridors, we have a parking bill, AB 2097, so we have a bundle, uh, omnibus amendments that is starting currently to its process uh, that will go through the legislative review process, and uh, the goal is annually. We didn't, um, yeah, so annually, I think it's the frequency that we aspire to. That's good. <laughs> thank you. Um, all right. Well, thank you so much for the presentation. Welcome. Appreciate it. Thanks. Um, next on our agenda is the director's report. Director DeCourcy. Sorry. Oh. Sorry to interrupt. Excuse me. Um, just for public record, we did not have any um, members of the public either um, in Zoom or there were no speaker slips in chambers, just so it goes on the record. Thank you. Thank you, Clerk. Apologies for not asking. Um, Director DeCourcy. All right, thank you. Um, so I do have a director's report this evening, and in preparing for this director's report, I was actually quite shocked. Um, I know we did not have a meeting last month, but the number of things on the director's report um, was surprising. So um, with that, I'll get into it. We uh, so. Um, you've gotten a notice and an invitation to the um, May 25th, May is Preservation Month Symposium. I hope that you can attend as well as that, that, is, an open, that is open to the public. Um, and we have invited all the neighborhood associations, which overlap with historic districts. We have a number of people registered for that event. That will be held at City Church in Oak Park at 3864th Avenue, beginning at 4.30 p.m., We've also partnered with Preservation Sacramento, who's sponsoring the event, and will um, will be welcoming us and saying a few words about Preservation Sacramento and and what they do. Next, the uh, 
cities, uh, as, as Director Colin mentioned, the city's uh, long-awaited draft of the general plan has been released, and I wanted to note that that will come to the Preservation Commission in June uh, for a presentation, a review and comment. So please do um, have a look at that document, particularly uh, the cultural resources section of or historic and cultural resources section of the draft. Um, it's the, the draft itself is fairly long. The, the um, historic and cultural resources section is shorter, but um, it will take some time to review. So definitely put that on your agenda. On May 7th, Henry uh, and I were joined by Matt Piner and Commissioner Root to lead a bike tour of several historic districts. This was an event sponsored by the, uh, or promoted by the AIA, but organized by, um, by Henry. And the tour lasted about two hours. It spanned five miles. We passed through 12 of the city's historic districts, mostly in Midtown um, and some in downtown. So it was a uh, excellent tour. We've had about, I would say, about 35 to 40 people who, who attended, um, and nobody was hurt. So it's always a good thing. The final draft of the African-American Experience Historic Context Statement has been submitted to city staff. We're reviewing the final draft, and we also plan on bringing that to the Preservation Commission at the June meeting for a review and comment. Um, I'll be sending out uh, that draft to the Preservation Commissioners so you have an advanced copy, because it, too, is a fairly long uh, document, about 160 pages. We. So um, the, uh, I'm hoping to send it out. Well, I'll send it out uh, before the, the agenda posts, so along with the, uh, um, a reminder to review the general plan. Um, the, uh, so the, in, to uh, partner that, um, that final draft, we're having a meeting with our project partners. So we have a, a number of organizations and individuals who have been participating in the project throughout and we're going to meet with them to discuss the final draft and also our plans for the adoption, and that will be on May 31st. So that, and that is an invitation-only meeting to those individuals who've been engaged in the project. Um, I also wanted to note, in relation to the African-American Experience Historic Context and Survey, Sacramento State students are currently documenting some of the potential historic properties that were identified as part of that project, so that will um, hopefully be part of your, um, your June meeting packet as well, those, those draft historic evaluations. Then, on, uh, then in uh, early May, we, uh, uh, Henry Fuse and I had a meeting with the property owners of the proposed Southland Park Hills Historic District. This is a historic district associated with uh, Joseph Eichler, mid-century modern uh, designer and developer. The property owners were very enthusiastic about the idea of creating a historic district, and we've mailed a draft of the historic district plan to the, pres to the property owners for their review and comment and feedback to us. We will also be bringing the draft historic district plan and the draft historic evaluation to the commission for your review and comment also at the June meeting. So get ready for a, a long meeting. Those documents are posted on the website, but I'll include that in a uh, reminder to you uh, with a link to the, to the project website to review those draft documents. 
Um, the California Preservation uh, Foundation Conference was held April 19th through the 21st. Henry and I both attended. Uh, we attended some interesting sessions and some tours, um, including a tunnel tops tour um, near the Presidio and a tour of a, um, a large infill site uh, with uh, a historic power plant on it. So it was a couple interesting tours of uh, San Francisco. Um, the clerk, the clerk, I wanted to note the clerk's office has received an application for the architect position on the commission. So we're hoping that PNPE will review that application shortly, um, and and hopefully we'll be able to fill that architect position on the commission fairly soon. And then lastly, we are currently recruiting two historic preservation interns. These historic preservation interns will replace Ashley Green and Kristen Ross, who assisted us for the duration of the African-American Experience Project. Um, and they will, these, hopefully these two interns will, uh, will relieve us of some of these, um, of all of this work we've been doing lately. The, uh, and I, I guess the last thing to note is we do have um, a small grant from Sacramento State University and we've, uh, to hire a, a research assistant, a student assistant, um, who is also working on historic evaluations associated with the African American Experience Project. So her name is Ella Cross, and we've met with her several times, and so she's busy documenting properties as well as the students in the public history class. That concludes my director's report, and I'm available to answer any questions uh, at this time. Thank you, Director DeCourcy. Um Clerk, do we have any public comments on the director's report? Thank you, Chair. I do not have any hands raised in Zoom, and I do not have any speaker slips in chambers for this. Thank you. Great. Uh, comments or questions from the commission? Uh, Commissioner Burns? and start, you know, half hour earlier or set an option? That's a good question. <laughs> um, I will take that. Um, so the meeting time cannot change um, unless it is categorized as a special meeting. Um, maybe we can work with Sean um, tomorrow morning, per se, and Courtney to see if it needs to be categorized as a special meeting. But um, unless it is not, then no, we would have to stick with our original time. Thank you, Clerk Alexis. Thank you. Great. Um, I have one question. I was sad I wasn't able to make the bike tour. Um, and curious from a recruitment perspective for this commission, if it felt useful at all? Um, or recommendations for future events that might do better for recruitment? Curious your thoughts. The bike tour was attended. It was, it was promoted as by the Young Planners um, subcommittee of, of the uh, APA. And, uh, but it was attended by um, a broad range of, of people. We did not promote it beyond, um, beyond the regular AIA promotion uh, too much, but I do believe that Preservation Sacramento um, I did also posted about it. Um, so there, there were other people that were invited. Um, there was a lot of interest and enthusiasm, and I thought that people learned a lot, not only about historic preservation, but also about the city and our process um, and some of the things we deal with on a day-to-day, -day, like you heard uh, today. So it, uh, um, I do think that uh, there were a lot of people that weren't necessarily familiar with who we are and what we do who attended the bike tour. So I would call it a good recruitment event. 
Um, all right, unless there are any other comments or questions, we will move on. Um, next item on our agenda is commissioner comments, ideas, or questions. Anyone have anything? Commissioner Montemayor? Thank you, Chair. I just want to say thank you to staff. I know putting together staff reports and resolutions is tedious work, so <laughs> great job on all the reports brought to us so far. Um, and I just want to highlight something that I've been doing for the past 10 weeks was the Planning Academy. So I took part in the Planning Academy through the City of Sacramento. There's a cohort of about 30 students. It was provided um, as a scholarship, so it was a free program. I encourage anyone next year who hasn't participated in the Planning Academy to join it. Next week, we are graduating. It's been a long 10 weeks. And actually, Sean was, and Sean and Henry did a presentation a couple weeks ago, which was really great, to the Planning Academy, which just gives you a high-level detail of what goes on in the planning department. I mean, there's multiple divisions, and I think that the planning de um, department is, like, underrated. There's a lot of different <laughs> um, divisions that they work on, so uh, just highlighting that for the public is really great. Um, so again, yeah, we're graduating next week. It's going to be here in the council chambers during council. So that's all I have for comments. Cool, and congratulations on your graduation. Um, all right, with that, moving on to public comments and matters not on the agenda. Clerk, do we have, looks like we have an invitation to something. Yes, thank you, Chair. I do have two um, speaker slips in chambers, and I do not have any hands raised in Zoom. So for the first speaker, it'll be William Berg. Good evening and happy Preservation Month. My name is William Berg. I'm chair of the Board of Directors of Preservation Sacramento. Some of you I know well, some of you I haven't had a chance to meet yet, but hopefully we can fix that this month because I'm here to talk about the, our upcoming, actually already started, series of Jane Jacobs walks, which is a series of local history walks that also combine principles of planning and urban design, talking about issues of walkability and bikeability and rebuilding urban cores in addition to historic preservation and how these factors work together. The upcoming tours we have this weekend are Broadway to the Boneyard, uh, uh, to, or Broadway from the Boneyard to the Tap House on May 20th. Uh, Three o'clock, people are meeting at 10, 10th and Broadway at the Old City Cemetery and walking from there to the um, New Helvetia Brewing, it's going to be led by Eric Bradner, who's a terrific tour guide, talking about the history of Broadway and some of the ongoing issues on that corridor, both its historic buildings and its walkability. Then uh, this uh, Sunday, I'm leading a tour called the Sacramento Solar Punk Tour, starting at 10 a.m. at 8th and O Light Rail Station, talking about mid-century architecture and its environmental context in Sacramento in the 1970s. And then next Sunday, the Lavender Heights Walking Tour at 11 a.m., starting at the Lavender Library on 21st Street, talking about Sacramento LGBT history and some of the sites associated with that context within the Midtown neighborhood. And we're also uh, promoting our home tour, Save the Date, September 17th. It'll be the first time we've ever held our historic home tour in the neighborhood of East Sacramento, focusing mostly on 38th Street. And we're raising these funds and drawing this attention. It might be a good place to come for recruitment if you're looking for new members of your commission, because there's going to be a lot of history enthusiasts there. But we use these to sponsor things like the African American Experience Grant, the symposium later this month, the City of Trees Festival, the Sacramento Asian Pacific Film Festival, and funding surveys and nominations. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. Thank you for your comment. Chair, the next speaker we have is Giovanna. Hi, welcome. Hi, thank you. 
Good evening. Um, tonight I'm here to speak on um, some matters that's been going on in our community. Um, I'm a part of the Brazilian Center, which is next door to the old um, Fremont Adult School, which is now Clara um, Performing Arts Studio. Um, there was an incident that took place in April 26, 2023, where I was verbally and almost physically assaulted by a man. Um, I ha was in and out of the hospital after that. Um, I'm pregnant with twins. Um, and I made a incident report and forwarded it to the executive director and I was disregarded. Um, I was told that it was significantly, significantly less urgent. Um, just the whole situation that was going on there. Um, I asked if I can file a grievance. I asked if I can speak with somebody that's a supervisor since she didn't want to help me. Um, never got any messages, anything back a response. Um, so I'm here today to see if someone's able to help um, out with our community where we're not having any equality. We're being excluded from things in performing arts that they have going on at Clara that the Brazilian Center should be joining. We're being excluded. Um, also, the rent is being increased after they were allotted a million dollars for the rent not to be increased. Um, there's no lighting on our section, but their parking lot is full of lighting. Um, we have a bathroom that's across from our Brazilian Center and we were never having access to it. Um, it's always been a lock on there and they use it as a personal storage. So I was just trying to see if the city council member district four is um, able to, you know, look into what we're talking about and have some help with what's going on. And instead of our rights being violated and we're, we, everywhere we go, it's like, there's a halt, there's no help. So maybe you guys can help us. Thank you for your guys' time, I appreciate it. Um, thank you for coming and I'm sorry for what happened, the incident that happened to you and for the issues you're dealing with. Um, th this commission is independent from City Council District 4, but I think at the very least we can be sure to pass this, these comments along to the staff there and see if they'll be able to follow up. Yeah. Um, do we have any other uh, public comments? Sure, that was it for the public comments tonight. Um, Okay, well with that, uh, thank you everyone for a productive meeting and we'll adjourn until next month.